Thank you for joining me today. I'm very excited to be doing an early installment of this week's podcast because tonight I will not be giving me my regular Parsha class. Uh, tonight we'll be doing a special event on cancel culture. If you're listening to this in real time, then feel free to join us at 8 p.m. on uh, welearntogether.org slash Rage Maryland on a class about cancel culture and freedom of speech from a Jewish perspective. So this week we have a very, very exciting Torah portion. In fact, we have a double Torah portion. We are concluding the book of Exodus, Sefer Shemos, the second of the five books of Moses. And uh, that's very uh, significant. We're concluding it right before Pesach, right before Passover. This week is also a special Torah reading that we'll be reading. There are four special Torah readings that are read in preparation for Purim and pa Passover. And this is the fourth of those. It's called Parsha Chodesh, where we read about the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people to sanctify the new moon. And that took place on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is actually happening this Saturday night, Sunday, is the new month of Nisan, the month of miracles, the month that we prepare for Passover. So if you'd like to learn all about that mitzvah, the mitzvah of sanctifying the new moon, why that was the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people 3,333 plus years ago in Egypt, and the connection between the new moon and Passover and miracles. So please tune in to my next installment they will, of the podcast, which will be recorded Saturday night or Sunday on Rosh Chodesh itself. But now we're going to talk about the Torah portion and why this is the conclusion of the book of Exodus, the book of Shemos. So essentially this book is called by the Torah commentaries, the book of redemption, because it talks about the Jewish people's descent into Egypt, the beginning of the slavery, the redeeming of the Jewish people from Egypt by Moses through the 10 plagues and the splitting of the sea, and ultimately the goal of the redemption from Egypt, which was the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. And finally, in the last few Torah portions, we complete the building of the Mishkan, the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the mini temple that would journey with the Jewish people through the desert until we finally arrived in the land of Israel and were able to build a permanent temple in Jerusalem many, many years later. So the goal of all of it was that the divine presence would rest amongst the Jewish people, and that takes place in this week's Parsha. So let's go through these Parshas. The very first one is called Vayakel. And Vayakal means to gather. And in this week's Parsha, Moshe gathers together the entire Jewish people to teach them about the laws of Shabbos. So why did everyone have to come together to learn the laws of Shabbos? Additionally, we learn something very significant in the first words of this Parsha. It says, and these are the things or the words that Hashem commanded them to do. And it talks about not working on Shabbos and specifically the law of not lighting a fire on Shabbos. And the Talmud learns out from the words, these are the things, Elu Hadavarim. The word Elu, these, is the numerical value 36. And words symbolizes two things. And Hadavarim, the word, symbolizes a third. You add that up, you equal 39. And so the Talmud says this is a, re a, a remez, a hint, the 39 creative actions that we are not allowed to do on Shabbos. 
Yet the only one of those 39 that is stated explicitly in the Torah is fire. And it's right here in the beginning of the Parsha that you should not light a fire in all of your dwelling places on Shabbos. So what is the significance of not lighting a fire? Why is fire the quintessential work that we're not allowed to do on Shabbos? So then the Parsha goes on to recount all the different parts, components of the Mishkan, of the sanctuary, of the tabernacle, and goes in after completing all the parts of the sanctuary, it goes into Parsha's Pekude, which is the next Parsha and the last Parsha in this book, which essentially lists all the different objects that were built to accompany the tabernacle, including the clothing of the Kohanim, of the priests, and all the different vessels. And Pekude starts with something also, which is very puzzling, says Elo Pekude HaMishkan, Mishkan HaEdes. These are the accountings of the Mishkan of the of the Tabernacle of the Sanctuary, the Sanctuary of Testimony, of Witness. And it's interesting because the Rashi points out that it says Mishkan HaMishkan Mishkan, the Sanctuary Sanctuary twice. And Rashi points out that it's a reference to the two sanctuaries, the two temples that will eventually be destroyed. And the word mishkan is similar to the word mashkon, which means a collateral. So the Talmud points out that, in, that the temple was actually taken as collateral for the Jewish people, that instead of destroying the Jewish people when they had fell away from their spiritual level, the temple itself was destroyed as a collateral. Sticks and that Hashem took out his anger, so to speak, on the sticks and stones instead of on the actual people. So it's just interesting that that's mentioned here. And we're going to try to explain why. Why there's a mention of the destruction of the temple, which is going to take a place thousands of years later, here, right when we finally built the very first prototype of the temple. So why are we already thinking about its destruction? So what was the point of the Mishkan? So according to different commentators, we have essentially two explanations for the purpose of the Mishkan. And they really are the same idea. The purpose of Mount Sinai, of the giving of the Torah, was that the divine presence that God would dwell amongst us, that we would have the ability through Torah and mitzvahs to reveal God in the world. That's the mission statement of the Jewish people to take spirituality, the oneness of God, and bring it into action, into the world of physicality. That's the purpose of mitzvahs, which teach us how to conduct a life of physicality, of eating, conducting business, speaking, raising families, running a country, while connected and revealing the oneness of God. That's the goal of the Torah. And on top of that, the Mishkan itself, the sanctuary itself, was either an ideal ideal state that the Mishkan would be a mini Mount Sinai that we would take with us into the land of Israel, that we'd always have with us the inspiration of Mount Sinai to keep the, insp the inspiration alive, to keep that spark going when we were no longer at the fire and brimstone, like we've explained many times before, at the, the marriage between us and God. When life goes on and we move on with our day-to-day -day regular life, running a country, moving into the land of Israel, we would still have with us a mini Mount Sinai, 
to remind us of that of that first wedding day with God. That's the way the Ramban and others explain it. And yet Rashi and other uh, commentaries explain that the ideal goal was that the divine presence would dwell each within each and every one of us, that the Jewish people themselves would each have a Mishkan in their heart. And yet after the sin of the golden calf, now it was required to have a sanctuary, to have a go-between, so to speak, between us and God, some a representation of God on earth. And we explained that in detail last week in our podcast. But either way, whichever way you look at it, the goal of the sanctuary was that to, to have the divine presence dwell among us. So, and that's exactly what happens at the end of this week's Parsha. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So after listing all the parts of the sanctuary, the very end of the Parsha, the end of Fakude, the end of the book of Exodus, says that the divine presence rested on the Mishkan. Hashem's presence, Hashem's glory filled the sanctuary. And that is ultimately the goal of the entire book, is that God should dwell amongst us. Do you know when that took place? The Mishkan was completed. All the parts were put together on Rosh Chodesh Nisan on the new month of Nisan, which we are reading the commemoration of the first Nisan, which took place in Egypt one year later. After we traveled through the desert, received the Torah, the Mishkan was built on that same day that we received our first mitzvah in Egypt, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is taking place this year, Saturday night. So it's all coming together that that day that the goal of the universe, the whole universe was created in order that God should dwell among us, that he should be revealed in the lowest places, took place 3,333 or 34,000 years ago, I believe, 100 years ago, uh, took place this very day, 3,333 years ago. Unbelievable. So let's talk about Shabbos a little. We spoke about this last week. I'm just going to touch on it one more time. When the world was created, the six days of the world were separate, disparate, disconnected components. Just like we said, physicality, the physical world is represented by a cube. A cube is made up of six faces, six squares. And yet if you take six squares and build them, that doesn't make a cube because each square is separate. It's a pile of six squares. What turns six squares into a cube? It's that space within. It's the inner space that unites those six squares amongst a common goal. That's the seventh dimension. That's Shabbos. When Hashem finished building all the disparate parts of creation, utilizing the 39 creative actions that are needed to build reality, then he stopped building a physical universe and infused that physical universe with spirituality. Shabbos, the seventh dimension, is essentially the soul of the world that ties together all those distinct parts. Similarly, during the week, we build a world. Each of us, no matter what you do for a living, whether you're a dentist or a doctor, a lawyer, garbage collector, artist, musician, we are trying to make order in the world, utilizing our creative abilities. 
we pick up pieces and parts, we put them together, and we try to create order, try to create usefulness out of a world which is chaotic. And literally, the 39 actions that we rest from on Shabbos are the same 39 actions that went into building the tabernacle, which is a microcosm for the universe. So just like Hashem utilized 39 creative actions to create a physical universe, we use those 39 actions to build a tabernacle. And on Shabbos, we rest from, build, from doing those 39 actions. And those 39 actions fall into the different categories of cooking, writing, farming, tanning, building, sewing. And essentially, those are the things that we do every day of our life. We spend six days doing. On Shabbos, we disconnect from doing and focus on being. Just like on six days, what was God resting from? We talked about last week. God doesn't need to rest. So what was God resting from? He was resting from creating physicality, and he went back to his essential essence of oneness. So that's what we do on Shabbos. We disconnect from the world in order to connect to our true self, to connect to our soul. Just like Shabbos is the soul of the world, our job on Shabbos is to connect to the unity that exists within us. We live very broken lives. We run around our lives doing all sorts of things, and we wear different roles and different hats and different personalities in different aspects of our lives. We're one way with our boss, another way when we're at work, another way with our family, parents, spouse, friends, right? Intimate relationships, acquaintances. And how do they all tie together? How does our job connect to our passions, our hobbies, our spirituality, our creativity, our exercise? How does it all fit together? When a person connects to spirituality, you realize it's all one. It's all different expressions of your true self. That's the soul. The goal is to unify all the different parts of our life under one unified, holistic whole. And, and fire is the quintessential expression of work because fire shows man's unique ability to harness the powers of nature to perfect the world, to rule over the animal kingdom. Fire is something that cannot be used by an animal. It's uniquely human. And that's our job, is to be human and to build the world. But to remember that we are not doing beings. We are being beings. We're not human doings. We are human beings. And the goal is to spend time being on Shabbos, not your whole life, because we're in this world to perfect the world, to reveal God in the world. That's what we do for six days. On Shabbos, we recognize that he's already here. That's what Shabbos is all about. So now the Talmud says a very interesting thing. The Talmud says that blessing only falls on something that's hidden from the eye. Because when something's revealed openly, then something called an eye in hara, a force of negativity, an evil eye can fall on that thing and cause damage to that thing. The Talmud explains that when we look at someone negatively or with jealousy, we actually have the ability to harm that person with our thoughts. That our eyes have power. So too our speech has power. But there's something specific to the idea of an eye in hara, an evil eye, that only takes place to things that are public. That's why we try not to show off the good things in our life. Someone asks you how many kids you have, you say, I have, you know, I have 10 kids, Kedai Nahara, Bli Ayanhara. May no evil eye fall upon me for saying that. Because when someone could be jealous of the good stuff in our life, we don't want to really show that off because we want to be humble because the truly great things in your life, you don't need to show off. You ever see a couple who openly engages in, what do you call it, P, 
D A public P A public acts of affection something like that public displays of affection that's what it is so sometimes you have to wonder is that are they truly confident are they truly secure in their relationship because if it's truly secure if that intimacy is really there then it's meant to be something private it's it's not something you need to show off because it's real the real things in your life you don't have to run around and make public keep them between you and and those that matter so one of the reasons behind that probabilistically is because we don't want others to be jealous of us because that could actually harm us so the maral of prague great kabbalist of prague who lived 400 years ago we actually visited his synagogue uh, last year just almost exactly a year ago it's unbelievable got to pray there on shabbos and uh the maral says that the the reason that the temple was destroyed was because of this week's Torah portion. Because this week's Torah portion lists and counts ad nauseum all the different parts of the Mishkan of the sanctuary. What's the purpose of that? Because now that the parts were counted, now I and Hara, evil eye could fall upon them and the temple could be destroyed. Why? In place of us. Because the goal is not the temple. The goal was never the temple. The goal was the divine presence that dwells within the temple. It was to take all those disparate parts and put them together so that the divine presence re re becomes revealed. To take all the parts of reality, six days of creation, all the aspects of our personality, and unify them that the divine presence, the soul, our soul, the soul of the world, Hashem, who is the soul of all souls, becomes revealed. And the Talmud says, why was the temple destroyed? Because of sinas chinam, baseless hatred. Because we weren't unified, we lost that divine presence which holds everything together. Because without the divine presence, the temple is just a bunch of parts and pieces. Without Shabbos, the world is just a bunch of days that don't have a goal, that don't have a unity, that don't have an inner united space on which everything focuses around. But when we're united, when we're unified, when we're one, when there's harmony amongst us, nothing can hurt us. That is the secret of Jewish eternality. The secret of our survival is when we're together, nothing can hurt us. In the words of the Megillah, which we just read on Purim, Haman says to King Ahasuerus, there is one nation who is mufuzar umufarad bain amim. There is one nation who is spread out and distant amongst the nations and that's the jewish people we're spread out physically but we're one nation when we remain one nation then we're able to accomplish our goal of revealing oneness in the world and shabbos is that point of unity that unites the world and the jewish people and that's specifically why everyone had to come together on shabbos to hear about to come together to hear about the commandment of shabbos because it's that unity the goal is to bring about that unity which takes place when we're united within ourselves, connecting to our true self, connecting to each other, connecting to God. It's all one story. And when that happens, the, re the presence of God is revealed. I want to bless you all with a beautiful Shabbos, a beautiful Rosh Chodesh. Again, please tune in on Sunday to learn about the uniqueness of the month of Nisan and why Rosh Chodesh was the very first commandment given to the Jewish people in Egypt. Thank you all for listening, and I'm looking forward to our next opportunity to talk and learn together.